Well, if you would, take your Bibles and turn to the book of John. We're going to be in the book of John. I'll tell you where in just a moment, but the book of John. For the next several weeks, I'm going to be doing a series entitled Life Lessons from Jesus, or Lessons from the Life of Jesus. And this morning, we're going to talk about finding our purpose in Jesus Christ. Um, No doubt many of you have wondered at one point or another in your life, what is the purpose of my life? Why am I here? Why did God create me? What is it that He designed me to do? What is it that He's designed me to be? But maybe at some point or another in your life, you've asked that question, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Uh, Maybe it's to have a family, children, grandchildren, etc. And you know, those are great things. And I love my family and You know, I look forward to all those things that God has for us revolving around my family, and that's great. Uh, To be a morally decent person that people generally like to be around. You know, to some people, that's their purpose. They just don't want to cause any waves or make any ripples, just kind of want to blend in and just kind of be a generally nice person. That's why God created me, just to kind of smooth things over when things get rough in the lives of those around me. Uh, Maybe it's to help those less fortunate or those who have great need. You know, maybe God's blessed me and... And he's given me some wealth or some means or some abilities or some skills to help those who are less fortunate. They need my services, whatever. You know, to some people, they think that their life purpose is to show love and kindness to those who are orphaned or abandoned or unloved or mistreated. You know, but they're kind of thinking through, what is my purpose? Why is it that God really created me? And what is it that I'm supposed to be and, and to do and all these things? But have you ever wondered, does God have a purpose for me? I think all of us have one time or another. But uh, before we go any further, I kind of decided this week, I'm going to kind of see what Google has to say about what is our purpose in life. Uh, You know how you can get 10,000 pages when you ask Google a question. So I thought, well, I'm going to kind of see what Google has to say about life purpose, right? So I I looked at four different articles, and I came up with kind of an interesting hodgepodge of things that will help me find my purpose in life if I trusted Google. So here's what I found out. Well, there's an a, a, a organization called Greater Good. And I, won't, I have the information of the names of the people who wrote the articles. We won't get into their names, but I have it if you're wondering. But uh, he says, well, here's five things that you can do to find your purpose in life, to really know why you're here on this earth. Number one, just read. Read. If you read, you will find your purpose. And I got to think about that. That's kind of really broad. It's kind of really generic. I mean, just, just read. Anything. It doesn't matter what you read. Just just read, just read something. And that's where the explanation below the box is. Just, just read something. And I thought, well, lots of people read and they're not finding their purpose in life. That's kind of missing the mark. But, and then the second was cultivate awe, gratitude, and altruism. So I'm just going to kind of go, poof, I'm going to cultivate some awe. You're going to like what you see. And if you like what you see, you're going to, boom, you got your purpose. You know, I have to think, you know, this don't even make sense. Not even the explanation or the, or the you know, description of, of these key phrases or words. I'll, I'll go on here. Listen to what other people appreciate about you. If you will just listen to what other people say about you, you'll find your purpose in life. How many of you have ever said, have heard anybody say something that really wasn't true about you? Because they really didn't like you or you did something that they didn't like and they, you know, Yeah. Find and build your community. Another one, tell your story. If you can just tell your story, you'll find your purpose in life. I'm reading through this first article. I'm like, what about any of these things helps me know my purpose in life? Even if I'm not a believer, even if I don't follow God, even if I don't claim to know Christ, 
what about any of these things helps me find my purpose in life? So I went on to another article. And this one had several more. According to this guy uh, named Jack, he says, Explore the things you love to do. Create the life you love, and you'll find purpose. There's a lot of things I would love to do, but have absolutely zero correlation to purpose for my life. I love to get on a Polaris and go ride through trails. But I'm telling you, if I spent hours riding on trails on my Polaris, it's not going to give me my purpose in life. It'd be fun. Go sightseeing. Visit some other countries. Those are all fun, but they're not going to give me my purpose. But explore the things you love to do. Number two, ask yourself what qualities you enjoy. Well, I enjoy money. I enjoy good food. I enjoy playing certain games. I enjoy technology and computers and gadgets. Just, just you know, what qualities do you enjoy? Create your own life purpose. I mean, I can find my purpose by creating my own life purpose. This is where I'm scratching my head. He said, do these things and you'll find purpose. So I'm going to find purpose by creating my own purpose. Okay. Follow your inner guidance. That's the next one. Man, there's a lot of times when my inner self is saying do this, and God knows if I do it, I'm going to be in a world of hurt. Right? I mean, my flesh wants to do something, and then my, everything within me is saying, eat the fourth burger. <laughs> you know the phrase, if one's good, three's better, right? I mean, come on, let's be honest. Eat the fourth burger. Inner self is saying, do it. No, that's not going to help me find my purpose. Conduct a passion test. What does that even mean? I mean, if they gave me a, a link to where I can go do this passion test, maybe. Google's giving me some good things here, though. And then, think about the times you've experienced the most joy, and you'll find purpose. I've had a lot of fun doing a lot of things, but it has zero to do with purpose. And then another one. Align your goals with your own purpose, and you'll find purpose. How do these people get published? I don't understand this. Here's the third one. And this one is by Tachiki. That's, that's the person's name, Tachiki. And she gives us five things. Number one, find what drives you. What drives you? There's a lot of things that drive a lot of people that have zero to do with purpose. But they're driven. But they're driven no matter what they do. If they're an insurance agent, they're driven to find one more client than they had yesterday. If they're in sales, they're going to make one more sale today than what they had yesterday. Does that mean that's your purpose? Just finding what drives you? Find out what energizes you. Find out what you are willing to sacrifice. So forth. And then there's one final one that I looked at that was pretty interesting. According to Brightspace blog, find your IKEA G. It's spelled I-K-I-G-A-I. Find what? A little more reading and descriptions. It's, it's Japanese for reason to live. So I'm finding and doing some research, or finding articles and doing research on, what, on, on how to know what my purpose in life is. So in finding my purpose to live, I need to find my reason to live. And that'll explain everything. This 
I, I can't, aikajai, or I, I don't know. My reason to live in Japanese. Number two, disown your fears. I mean, if you could just get rid of your fears, you'll find your purpose. Anybody ever just totally gotten your purpose from getting rid of fear? No. Claim your values, and then number four, take powerful action. If you take powerful action, you'll find your purpose. Boom. Got it. Does this make sense to anybody? And there's a thousand articles, and they're all basically saying the same thing. So after reading several of these articles on Google, I have come to the conclusion that all I really have to do to know my purpose is to ask myself a few basic questions and do a few basic things. It really kind of summed up in read, tell my story, cultivate some awe for those around me and myself. All I have to do is explore what I love, follow my inner guidance, and conduct passion tests. I get to align my goals with my own stated purposes. Figure out what drives me and energizes me and find my ikajai or whatever it is, disown my fears, claim my values, and take powerful action, and I'll know exactly why I'm supposed to be here on this earth. Boom. Done. Let's go home. Everybody get your paper out. Everybody get your pens out and just do it. Does this make sense to anybody? Boom. Got my purpose. See, the only problem with almost every one of these steps or suggestions is that they all have one thing in common. Right? It all revolves around me and what I want, what I like, what I think should happen. It's all revolving around self. A hundred percent. But according to the word of God, we're not on this earth for self. It kind of changes everything. The entire dynamic of what we're here for. If life is just about us, well then enjoy it to the fullest and die. But if life is about more than ourselves, then we have a different set of values to live for, a different purpose for our existence. And this is where I start to think, where do you go with this? And so with the life lessons from Jesus, he makes it very clear what some of these purposes are. And we're just going to concentrate on one of them this morning. So if you would take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 6. I'm going to read one key verse, but then I'm going to go back and look at some other, other parts of the passage here. John chapter 6, verse, verse 35 says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. What Jesus was saying in this verse is that man wants meaning. If man wants meaning, if man wants significance, if man wants purpose in his life, you must find it in him. You're not going to find it in anything else. There's a lot of things that may bring you joy or happiness or success or freedom, but it's not necessarily the purpose for which God has created you. Our purpose comes from walking with Jesus Christ. So what he was saying here is if man wants purpose in his life, he has to find it in Jesus. But notice the fuller text of Scripture, if you will, for a moment. So let's begin reading verse 22, and then we'll come into where we picked up here. It says, on the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there for his disciples, 
They also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he sent. And so they were not fully understanding what Jesus is telling them. He goes on to ask these questions. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the man in the desert, as is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then Jesus said to him, Lord, give us, they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who, won't, who believes in me shall never thirst. We'll stop there just for a moment. So what Jesus was beginning to understand, or help them understand is that they're trying to earn something that would satisfy their physical flesh. They had just witnessed Jesus walking on the water and had eaten the bread with Jesus and are now wondering where he was. And they begin to ask the question, well, you know, what sign will you perform? You mean on top of just walking on the water just previous? What sign will you perform other than just giving you bread and feeding you? What sign will you perform? They had signs. They had seen Jesus do work. They had seen the miracles, and it wasn't enough. He said, well, if we look back in our history, we can find out that, hey, our ancestors, they got manna from heaven, and they ate and were filled. And Jesus begins to help them, or try to help them understand that. He goes, I give you bread that you will never thirst or eat again. I'll give you water that you'll never thirst again. They just witnessed Jesus doing all these things, and yet they wanted another sign. And Jesus confronts their motives. He confronts their motives in verse 26 and 27. Basically, what he was saying was this. You care more about your bellies than you do me. And here's where I want you to stop and just think about this for a moment. A lot of people think they have purpose. A lot of people think that they are walking with Christ and are really not. A lot of people think that they are in a relationship with Jesus and they're nowhere near it. Here's people who are walking alongside Jesus physically. These are people who watched Jesus do incredible things. And yet they still wanted a sign. And they still wanted to take control of what they had to do. And we find that in the next couple of verses here. And he lets them know immediately. You are working for the wrong things. And Jesus literally in verse 29 says, Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you what? Believe in the one you sent. Believe. I've said for a long time that believe is not just something that happens in our minds. Believe results in what? Action. Over and over in scripture, you'll find examples of people who believed, yet their life was not changed. 
He said, even the devils, what? Believe and tremble. And there are many people and examples in Scripture where they said, what do I have to do? There are people who were doing things. So what's the key? The focus has to be on Jesus Christ. It has to be on God the Father. If I'm doing it for my own motives, which is what they were starting to do, I want, I want something that's going to make me never, never hunger again. Doesn't that sound great? I mean, if you could just eat this meal and never gain any more weight because you're just always satisfied. Man, I want that pill. I'm always hungry, man. I can eat a big meal and be stuffed, and like 20 minutes later, I'm walking by the fridge, and I'm like, man, what's in this thing? I'm hungry. I just like food. Can I get a witness? I mean, right? Yeah, there we go. I like food. They were wanting a magic pill. What do I have to eat? We want this always. And they weren't understanding what Jesus was telling them. And really what it comes down to is, is I'm calling on you to truly believe. Verse 29. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. And who is he talking about? Himself. Who did God send? Himself, Jesus. He says, if you will just believe. And he calls into question their motives. And Jesus calls him to follow his example of following the Father. And we see that in verse 38. So it goes down to verse 38. He says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So when it comes down to what is it that I have to do, well, you have to follow Jesus, who is following the will of his Father. So why is it that they were here? Why is it that they were being challenged because they were obviously not doing something that Jesus was telling them to do. The very fact that he's telling them to do something presupposes the fact that they weren't doing it. Or that their attitude wasn't right. That their motives weren't, weren't right. So he's telling them to do something. Nowhere in Scripture does God word, God's Word point to us all the things that, that we started in this sermon out with. He doesn't say, hey, you know, just, just hey, find what brings you joy. Find out what you really like. See what other people think of you. Tell your story. And you'll, boom, got it. He says, well, if you really want joy, you have to kind of realize it's going to come by following me. And by the way, follow me as I follow my Father's will. That's where we should be. So we need to think about that. He says, our fathers had manna from heaven. And he says, we want that bread. I really do believe that these people who were looking at Jesus, they didn't want Jesus as the living bread. They were referencing the manna that their forefathers received because what? They wanted it. Well, you did it for them. Why won't you do it for us? And they were more concerned about their own bellies than they were about following Jesus. They said, we want the bread that he was offered. They really didn't believe though it was like they were it was like, like they were mob following him. Where's Jesus at? I mean, he had walked on the water, he had fed the bread. His disciples got in the boat, but we didn't see Jesus get in the boat. Where'd he go? Let's go find him. Why? Because they were hungry again. They want to know where he went. They want to see another sign. Do another miracle. So what was the result? When they didn't get what they wanted. When they didn't understand what Jesus was telling them. What's the result? I think it's very clear. Look at verse 41. 
The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Wait a minute. Nope, nope. This guy is being blasphemous. He's telling us something that's not true. He obviously is not the bread because our forefathers had manna. That was the bread. And they're upset. But what we find out is, verse 42, And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? We know who his mom and dad are. This is not him. He'd already called into question their motives. And they're questioning his very deity. His very existence. And Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Over and over, he says, I'm that person. And they would not believe. But all he wanted them to do was to simply look to the Father. Look down verse 60 just for a moment. It says, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand this? It was hard. Because remember way back in verse 28? Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? See, here's the problem. It's not about what you can or cannot do. You will never be able to do enough. You will never be able to work enough. He's already finished the work. And it's not about what they could do to get what they wanted. It's about what Jesus Christ had already done. And yet it was so simple, yet it was so difficult. What Jesus was saying was quite simple, but what some of the disciples were hearing was quite difficult. Why? They wanted something they could do and something they could hold and handle to validate everything Jesus was saying. And Jesus was simply pointing them to the Father. So here's the struggle that I think a lot of people face in life. They know a lot about Jesus. These people knew a lot about Jesus, right? They knew a lot about him. No doubt the rumors had gone out of what Jesus had done. No doubt they had first-hand contact with those who had heard of Jesus walking on the water. It just took place just the chapter before, but the day before. It had just been through the experience of being fed the bread and seeing that bread multiplied for so many people. They knew a lot about Jesus. And they were really even willing to work something in the form of works, to get what they wanted. But they weren't really truly willing to follow and to simply trust. I think that's where a lot of people are. Here's, what, here's what's baffling to me. Verse 60. Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Now, we know what the definition of a disciple is. Somebody who follows their master. So if these disciples who were watching Jesus and following Jesus and experiencing what he was doing said this is difficult, I think we can rest assured that it is difficult. If 
we look at it as being something we have to do versus what Jesus has already done. That's the difference. You see, none of us can do enough. We can't. None of us could be enough apart from Jesus Christ because it's in what he's already done. So what happens here? Verse 61, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about what this he had said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? Is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing? The words that I speak to you are a spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. These are the people that were around Jesus. And he's telling them right Red letters. Jesus is talking. And he's looking right at them and saying, you don't believe. I know you've seen what I do. I, I get that. I know you've heard all the stories. I understand that. And yet you still are asking for signs. You're still asking what you can do. And you don't believe. I wonder how many people that description fits. You've seen God do some things. You know some things about who God is and what Jesus Christ's Son has done. And yet you still don't believe. So he goes on here. Verse, middle of 64. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe. And he said who, and who would betray him. And he goes on, and of course we know the story. And he said, therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away? See, every one of us has a choice. To truly follow and make it about Jesus. Or to kind of be in the presence of, but not truly believe. That's the two sides in this text. You have those who are going to make a choice to truly follow and to stick with it. And by therefore doing that and truly following, truly believing, prove the fact that you are a true child of God. Or there are those who are like, eh, it's a little hard. It's a little bit difficult. Yeah, I see what's going on, but eh, I think, I think I'll let other people deal with that. Because that's exactly what we see here. When a rubber hits the road, some are still following, and some have turned away. Sometimes we get the idea that if we follow Jesus, well, everything's just going to get better. Sometimes it doesn't get better. Because this is not our home. I'm telling you, things in this life stink sometimes. And just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean it's not going to have those days where everything stinks. Anybody agree? Things stink sometimes. You got problems? I got problems. You got a couple hours and some coffee. I'll sit down and share a few of mine. I'll listen to a few of yours. We'll pray together. I got things I can't fix. I got things I can't change. So, as I've said for years, if I can take responsibility and I don't, shame on me. But if there's nothing I can do about it, and nothing God is telling me to do about it, I'm just going to trust him to take care of it. Because I can't. But I'm not just going to leg around in the crowd and watch from a distance what's going on. 
the 12 were asked the question, are you going to stick with me or are you going to turn back? What are you going to do? Are you going to stick with him? Or you get to the point where it's just too hard? Well, I know what he's done. I've seen what he's said. Heard what he said. I've seen what he's done. I'm just going to kind of do my own thing. Remember, this crowd, there are those who said, what can I do? Nothing. If you're going to have purpose in this life, it's going to be in him and him alone. That's why he said in two verses. Verse 29, and then way back in again, just follow me. Just follow me. So simple. Yet they said, this is a hard thing to comprehend. It's hard when we make it about ourselves. It's easier when we say, hey, you're in control. I can't do this. And you rest in him. There's a thousand other verses that talk about this. But it simply comes down to this. When they want to know what to do, they said, believe in the one who sent me. That's what it comes down to. Will you believe in God? Will you completely follow him? Not when it's convenient. Not just when he has food to offer that makes my bellies feel full, our bellies feel full. But even when it's hard, even when you don't understand, even when you think it's just too overwhelming, will you follow? Because there are many who are right there with him who said, "Uh, I'm turning away. It's not enough just to know what he's done. It's not enough just to see him. It's a relationship. You know, there are things and times in my life where, maybe you've experienced this too, where one of your kids have disobeyed. And they do something that disappoints you. Maybe your kids have never done that. They're perfect. I mean, let me rephrase it. My kids. Sorry, guys. But none of us are perfect, right? So let's be honest just for a moment. Our kids do things once in a while that disappoint us. Things that frustrate us. Might be something minor, might be something great. Leaving tools all over the place. Irritating little things that, that things that happen. Oh, I could I could find something for every one of you, don't worry. And you could find something some things for me too, that's okay. But when those things happen, do we just kind of sorry, done with you. Over with it. Or do we kind of get a little bit irritated, work through it and move forward? We don't disown our kids just because they irritate us or frustrate us or disappoint us. There's the difference. It's because of the relationship. Yes, there are consequences, but because of the relationship, we work to make it better, right? Isn't that what we do? We work to make it better. You see, if we're truly following Jesus, we're working on our relationship with him. We're working to make it better. Not that he has to improve, but we know what his expectations are, so we work to meet those. It's not rules, it's not regulations, it's not guidelines. It's relationship. And I've said it a thousand times. When I got married, I should have got the how-to book for men. That did not come on wedding day. And consequently, I've done a lot of things over the years that have irritated my wife. 
but I've also learned over the last 26 years and four or five days now. Um, I reminded my wife the other day it was 26 years and two days. She goes, honey, it's only 26 years and one day. And my brother says, well, maybe it felt like two days. <laughs> maybe it did. But I've learned over the last 26 years that there are things that I can do to bless my wife and things that I can do to irritate her. And I can choose either side really quick. And so can you. But when you're in a relationship, you work to improve the relationship. Here it is. You want purpose in your life? Walk with Jesus. Believe in God with a belief that results in daily relationship with Jesus Christ. If you will do that, He'll bless, He'll guide, He'll direct. Does that mean you're not going to struggle? No. You'll still have struggles. But you have somebody who's carrying you through it. You have somebody who's walking your hand through it. He'll be there for you. Let's pray.